All right, good morning. Thank you, Mel, for that devotional. And uh, again, reminding us that, you know, um, God knows. God knows the thoughts of our heart and the intents of our heart. And just like he did David there, you know, David thought he could get by with doing what he did. And uh, no one would know. Well, uh, it soon became evident that uh, they did know. And they did find out. And that's, that's our God. God knows. God knows all about what we do, what we think, where we're at. <clears throat> so this morning, um, I, um, I've just been kind of reflecting back over this past week. Uh, it's kind of been like a, like a whirlwind of all the things that uh, have taken place, all the things that, are, that, was in, that uh, happened. Um, this week has been the week of, the, the, we call it the planning meeting week for Gospuecos. And um, it's when all the teams come together to plan for the next year. Um, financially, you know, they plan their budget and just a lot of things that we talk about. And I was thinking about that. And it's like, you know, um, I, think there's, I think there's a message here that God wants me to share as we think about how and why Gospel started. You know, we celebrated Friday evening the 50th anniversary of Gospel Echoes. 50 years of, of uh, printing material and going into prisons, sharing the gospel, singing, and, uh, you know, the list is endless of what, what all um, was done, has been done. And I thought about, I was thinking about, uh, you know, this one individual who was obedient to the Spirit of God and the call of God upon his life to sell his business and to go into full-time prison ministry with his family. And at that time, he had a young family. I don't know, three or four children. And how that the Lord led and directed and, and, and guided him to the point where it's at today. Um, tremendous, tremendous. And, and what an impact that he had on hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives across the country from east to the west. And, um, you know, how that uh, when his... his I don't know if I can really share the story or the account of how that he wanted to, he, he was looking for a confirmation from God on if, if they were supposed to go in full-time ministry. And uh, he was, you know, they were praying, praying about it. You know, should we, shouldn't we? How's this going to work? You know, where are the funds going to come from? All that. Well, his confirmation came in a, in a very real way. He had gone to a prison 
him and another fellow. And as they were going in there, sharing and talking with some of the inmates, he came to the prison cell of uh, Charles Harris and was talking with him. And there, Charles was sharing with him how that they have Bible study in prison. And he said, really? How, I mean, how, how, do you, how are you doing that? And Charles proceeded to tell him that we save all of the paper from the cigarette packs and we write Bible verses on them and we pass them around around uh, through the through the the you know the the jail there the prison uh, cells and he said every day twice a day they would meet at the front of the cell and they would have Bible study and this so moved Marv Marbici it so moved him that he said that is that's my answer God wants me to provide Bible studies for these men. And from that, it grew to where it's at today. You know, they, they print their own Bible study courses, the address booklets, um, and when the prisoners uh, complete the Bible courses and uh, different things that they have for them, then they get a, a Bible. They get a personal Bible. And that is so um, rewarding to them. They, they look so forward to that. And, uh, you know, through these 50 years, there's been hundreds and hundreds of young people, uh, couples that have served uh, in one way or another uh, through Gospel Echoes in helping, uh, maybe on the road, at the office, um, wherever. And uh, it, was, it was just, it was so, it was so refreshing and so good to sit there and to to hear how all this you know the, they reminisce on how uh, this happened and that happened and and being on the team and you know those that run the committees and and from the very beginning those that have served on the board and um, everyone was impacted by this and it is because of one individual who was obedient to the Spirit of God and took it upon him and, and followed God to sow the seed. To sow the seed. And I'm so glad for that this morning that, um, that we have men who are obedient to the Spirit of God and, and to the prompting of, of the Lord, you know, in, in uh, various ways. <clears throat> and so this morning, as we think about as we think about that, sowing the seed, my mind immediately went to, of course, Matthew 13, where it talks about um, the, the parable, the parable that Christ taught. You know, a parable was something that, um, that you know, Jesus taught in many, many different parables. And he taught it in a way that they would understand. That, that's, that was the reason for it. And so here we have in chapter 13, and I'm just going to read the first nine verses there, the parable of the sower. And we, we know that later on in the chapter, 
we have the parable of the sower expounded. And so we want to look at that as well. Here in the first verse, it says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now, if you, if you want to, if you, if you can picture with me this morning, here Jesus was. He went out of the house where they had been meeting and sat by the seaside. And as soon as people seen that or heard that, what, what happened? Great multitudes gathered. And I don't know if we can imagine or, or even comprehend the amount of people that were there, but it was such a, a, a large crowd that he went from, land, from the land. He went and got into the boat, it says here. And, and uh, you know, and the whole multitude stood on the, on the seashore there. And then he began teaching. And here, in this case, in this setting, he began speaking to them this parable of the sower. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Sowing the gospel seed. You know, we, we can sow, God waters, and then he gives the increase. Here it says, he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, thorns sprung up, choked them. But other fell onto good ground, brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And then he says, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, here we see Jesus teaching this parable of the sower. It's one of the most well-known. It's designed to teach the truth that only a prepared heart can and will receive the gospel message. This, the gospel will come to every kind of person, but only those who are ready to receive it when it comes, will be saved and produce fruit to the glory of God. You know, you can, you can talk to people that are not living for the Lord. You can talk to, you can talk to them to, their, to you're blue in the face. You can, you know, God forbid you take them around the neck and you threaten them and all. But you can do everything you, until the time is right, until the ground is right, and then the seed will take root and grow. You know, I think we probably all have a testimony this morning, but there was a time in my life when, you know, before I was married, when someone would talk to me about, you know, getting right with the church and getting right here and, you know, doing things, you know, I would just scoff at them. You know, I didn't want no part of it. But, you know, the time finally came when the ground was right. And when the seed fell, it sprouted and it took root. And praise God this morning that I, uh, I am where I am. I just, I just appreciate it so much. You know, we often ask, how can a lost person hear a message like that and not be saved? Well, it's because the soul of their heart was not properly prepared. Sometimes we see people make professions of faith and 
then never see them again. We wonder, were they really saved? Well, I don't know. You know, they, they possessed unprepared soil. They produced no fruit. Others come to our altars and make a profession. Then they turn around and go right back into, out into sin. You know, we look at them, we wonder, and we think, you know, what happened? Were they not saved? Well, it's probably because the condition of the soil was not conducive uh, to life. But then there are those who hear the gospel message and come to Jesus and receive him by faith. Now, the, the, the main thrust of this passage revolves around the types of soil and what is produced by each. But in this message, we want to focus on the sower. Who is the sower? The sower is us, you and I, all of us. And we want to look at this person who takes his seed, who goes into the field and begins to sow. Now, if you think with me this morning of the farmer who goes out in his field to sow the seed. He doesn't just take the seed and just throw it all over and just, you know, but he does it in an orderly way. He, he works the soil, gets the ground ready, prepares it. You know, there's, there, there's, uh, there's a lot that can be learned from this. You know, God wants things done decently and in order, in order to produce fruit. And so, as I read this and think about this thought, I believe that there is encouragement, there's a challenge, and help for all those who want to be sowers of the gospel seed. And so we want to look at that this morning a little bit. <clears throat> I believe this morning that God also knows and sees our heart, the attitude of our heart, when we are sowing the seed, or when we are um, talking to an individual, is it done in the correct way? Is it done with humility? Is it done with an attitude of, of love? Is it done with an attitude of, of, of really caring for that person's soul and where they're at? You know, God sees that. God knows that. Because, you know, I think I shared with you here a couple weeks ago how that my sister's little granddaughter uh, was helping in the garden. And... Uh, they were planting sweet corn. And they had two rows that they wanted to plant. And little Lucas, he was planting his row, and he was just going along, and he was just a planting and putting this. But little Gracie, she was fussing, and she was carrying on complaining and, and telling Grandma that it's not fair. Uh, I'm too little. I, you know, uh, on and on and on and on. She, she just didn't want she She wasn't putting her seed in the row, and she wasn't. You know, just, and finally her mom said, Gracie, if you don't straighten up, God is going to make it so that your corn won't grow. And they went and finished planting the corn. And, and Lucas, he even actually started at the other end coming back to help finish her row. Wouldn't you know, in about four days, Lucas's corn was up. But little Gracie's corn never came up. And it went for, you know, a week and a half. Little Gracie, 
her mom found her out there in the, in the, in the early mornings with a, a big watering can. She was walking along and she was trying to water her corn because she was so worried that, you know, her corn wasn't going to come up. I actually stopped in there and I seen this. I took a picture of it on my phone. Luke's corn's up like that. Little Gracie's is only like that. Planted the same day, out of the same bag. And so, you know, God knows. This was a, a very, very hard lesson for little Gracie. She is very, I mean, she, she, she doesn't want anybody to talk about it. You know, she has, she has uh, told her mom she's sorry and, you know, all that. You know, and, and that's good. But it just goes to show that our God is real. Our God is, is big. He knows all things. And he knows the intents of our heart. Do we sow the seed in the correct way? I believe we need to take a lesson. I believe we need to take a lesson here. Okay, as we go on, the first thing we want to talk about here, the sower's mission for the seed. The sower has one desire as he enters his field, to get his seed into the soil. You know, it's not going to grow if you don't cut it in the soil. He wants to plant his crops so that he can reap a harvest at the proper season. Now, I just remind us this morning that God did not give us the gospel just to save us. He didn't give us the gospel so that we could hoard it up, keep it to ourselves, and shout about the blessing we have. He did not give us a seed so that we might allow it to rot in the barn. You know, Haggai chapter 2 verse 19 says, Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine. And the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth from this day will I bless you. Um, there's a story about a farmer that is told of a farmer who grew excellent quality corn. Seed corn. Every year he would win the award for the best grown corn. One year, a newspaper reporter interviewed him and learned something interesting about how he grew it. The reporter discovered that the farmer shared his seed corn with his neighbors. How can you afford to share your best seed corn with your neighbors when they are entering corn in competition with you? you? Why, sir, said the farmer, didn't you know? The wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn and swirls it from field to field. If my neighbors grew inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. If I am to grow good corn, I must help my neighbors grow good corn. And so it is with our lives. Those who want to live meaningfully and well must help enrich the lives of others that's how we grow for the value of a life is measured by the lives it touches and those who choose to be happy must help others find happiness for the welfare of each is bound up with the welfare of all and so you know this farmer he was pretty smart wasn't he you know, if he wouldn't share it with his neighbors, they would have grew other corn, and then it would have just it would have just mixed and, and it would have degraded and down. You know, 
he wouldn't have been able to have good corn. This way, he had excellent corn, was able to win the award. So God's mandate to his people is that we take the seed of the gospel into the field of the world and sow it for his glory. We're commanded to share the gospel. The good seed, the seed corn. If, if we're going to win the award or get the award, then we have to share it with others. Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We all know the great command there. Go ye therefore. And here it says, teach all nations. Mark said, preach. Matthew says, teach. And baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, are we sowing the seed? Have you prepared the soil? And we want to get into that here a little bit. The sower's method of sowing. And we talked a little bit about doing it orderly. And doing it, you know, um, God-honoring. Not in a way that causes chaos and confusion, but in a way that would honor the Lord. And so as you read these verses, you see this sower casting his seed into the field. As he does, he casts the seed everywhere. He broadcasts it far and wide. He wants to make sure that every square inch of his field has been blanketed by the seed. He wants a big harvest. And so he casts the seed everywhere. Where to go? Where are we to go? Into all the world, Mark 16 says. No place is off limits. No people is off limits. We're to go everywhere and tell everybody. And I believe that was the case. That was the call upon the brother who founded the Gospel Echoes. His call was to go everywhere and to take the gospel to them, sowing seed as he went. And how that it touched millions of lives across our country. Men and women in prison from the East Coast to the West Coast. <clears throat> We're to be living epistles, proclaiming the gospel message as we go through life. <clears throat> this implies um, that we need to live the right kind of life before the world. Philippians 1 Verse 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're to tell. Like I said, Mark 16 says, Preach. Matthew 28, 19 says, Teach. What are we to tell the lost world? Are we to brag and boast about our church? No. Our preacher? No. We're to tell the lost and dying world about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for sinners. We're to go into this world and we are to share the gospel. What is our message? What is your message this morning? We're to tell everybody. <clears throat> We're to all be involved in the going and the telling. I think that the, uh, the level of the harvest we receive will correspond directly to the amount of seed we sow in the field. Do we want our church to grow? Do you want the church to grow? 
then sow. Then sow the seed. Do you want to see people saved? Then sow. Do you want to be involved in your Father's kingdom work? Then sow the gospel seed. That's what it's about. And like we said, there's different kinds of soil. We want to look at that for a little bit here. As we read this parable, it becomes apparent that this sower lost some of his seed. Some of it fell on soil that had been unprepared, and seed produced no fruit. And so his mission was to sow the seed, and that is what he did. He sowed all his seed. He sowed all his field. And so as a, as a sower of gospel seed, you and I are not responsible for the kind of soil our seed falls into. No, we can't control that. When you share the gospel with an individual, you can't see where that where the, 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 the word and the spirit where it goes at in his mind, in his life. You, you can't tell that. Only God knows. And God will give the increase. We can't even judge the condition of the soil because we cannot see into the heart. We cannot see into the heart. First Samuel 16, verse 7. We know the account there where, where they came to anoint David. Well, here in the, in the last part of verse 7, it says, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. <coughs> and here, in this scripture that we read, three of the four soils look good on the surface. The hard soil, verse 4 it talks about, it says they're the wayside, referring to the hard soil. It refers to the narrow footpaths that ran beside and through the fields where it was trampled on. These were the roads of the day, and the soil of them had become as hard as concrete from the feet of the travelers that had walked upon them. We're told that this speaks of the person who hears the gospel, but who doesn't understand it. That is, they cannot make the connection between the claims of the gospel and their own life. Maybe they're too steeped in sin and refuse to believe. Many times that's the case. The stony soil in verse 5 and 6. These stony places are they're, they're, they're common in uh, Palestine. I've never been there. I've only seen pictures. But often there will be an outcropping of, of uh, limestone rock covered by a thin layer of topsoil. Looks beautiful. Looks good. This soil looks like it would be ready to be sown. This ground looks good, productive. Seed cast there will... Here will germinate, quickly spring up into promising plant, but because there is no depth of soil, as soon as the sun beats down on the tender plant, it withers and dies without producing any fruit. This kind of soil speaks of that heart that makes an emotional response to the presentation of the gospel. Perhaps this person heard the gospel and said, that's what I need. Or perhaps they come because a friend came. It's it's all done out of emotions and feelings. Whatever their motive, they make a profession, but it is shallow. It's a shallow one at best. They may even show signs of life in the Lord, but when Christianity doesn't turn out like they thought it would, they quickly fade away and disappear. Not very strong. Then we have the thorny soil. 
in verse 7. Again, this soil looks like it is ready to be sown also. But underneath the surface, what is there? Are the living roots and seeds of thorns and weeds. And when the seed falls here, it also quickly springs up to life, looks beautiful, gives every indication that a good harvest will follow. However, the same ground begins to produce the thorns and the thistles and the weeds and everything that comes within. They're already there and they soon choke out the tender plant and it withers and dies, producing any, not producing any fruit at all. This is speaking about the heart that tries to have the benefit of the gospel while still clinging to thorns of sin. It gives us that picture of someone who, who, who wants to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world without a conscious break from the old life of sin, this person does not have a chance of being saved. The seed of the gospel cannot survive to produce fruit in a heart filled with other things. The seed must have the ground or sin must have the ground. It cannot be shared. Cannot be shared. Jesus said it was the cares of the world and the quest of the earthly riches that spelled disaster for this kind of soil. And then last of all, we have the good soil. Verse 8. Finally, some seed fell onto good ground. This ground had been worked and prepared. It had been plowed and tilled and disked and, you know, cultivated and was ready to receive the seed when it came. The seed germinated. Within the heart of the soil, the plant began to grow. When the plant reached maturity, it began to produce fruit that brought honor and gain to the, to the farmer. This is a picture of the heart that has been plowed deeply by the word of God. An individual who has spent time in the word, time in prayer, time in meditation, Time in seeking God's face. This is a picture of that heart. It is a picture of a heart that's been tilled and prepared by the grace of God. So that when the seed of the gospel hits this kind of a heart, it germinates, it grows, and it bears fruit to the glory of God. This heart alone pictures that kind of life that can truly call itself saved. Note, the only difference between these types of soil was fruit. On the hard soil, the seed never penetrated the hard ground and was carried away. On the other three soils, the seed penetrated, disappeared, but only that which fell on the good ground produced fruit. And so, let's not get caught up or hung up on fruit bearing. If you're saved, you'll find out that fruit happens as you abide in Jesus. He will produce his fruit in your life. John chapter 15, the first eight verses. I'd like to turn to that here before we close. Where he talks about the vine. It says, I am the true vine and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit... What does he do? He taketh away. 
Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in the vine, in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. And that's what we have to remember this morning. In this whole lesson this morning of sowing the gospel, sowing the seed, without Jesus Christ, without God, we can do nothing. And that's what John says here. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. And so this morning, as we think about sowing the seed, I think it begins by the Spirit of God coming upon us, prompting us, and moving us. We have to be obedient to the Spirit. When God says, go share with such and such, when God says to, maybe you ought to talk to that individual, or maybe, but may God help us that we go in the right way, in the right attitude, so that as we present the seed, as we sow the seed, that it would fall upon good ground. Because when it falls on hardened ground, when it falls on thorny ground, you know, uh, bad soil, it's not going to grow. But we just need to plant the seed. God will give the increase. And so when we have sowed the gospel seed into the field of this world, and when we have sowed the field as completely as possible, we have done all that we have been commanded to do, and we can consider our work a success. What if we never lead a soul to Jesus personally? I truly think some people are sowers, some water, that which have been sown and others harvest. From time to time, you may get to sow, water, and harvest. Others only one of the three. Our duty is not to fret over the results. Our duty is to get out into the field and sow. Our duty is to get out into the field and sow. God will water and will give the increase. And so may God help us this morning that we share the gospel. Share the gospel. Share what God has laid upon our hearts, what he has given to us. You know, like the farmer growing the seed corn. No, he, he won the award. How did he do it? He won it by sharing it with others around him. And so that's how God will will bless and further his kingdom when we're obedient to his spirit. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for, again, this opportunity of coming together in this way. We thank you for the word, and especially this parable that you taught so long ago. And you've taught it in such a way that we can understand, Lord, and we can take it to heart. And we just pray this morning, Father, that you would move in our hearts, Lord, and to be the sower that you have called us to be. Help us, Lord, to sow the seed correctly 
and uh, with an attitude of love and compassion and concern for those whom we meet, those whom we interact with, and uh, whoever else that it may be, Lord, that you bring into our pathway, into our lives. May you, O God, receive the praise and the glory. And so we pray, Father, be with those who are not here this morning. I pray for your blessing to rest upon them where they worship. And may you be with them through the remainder of this day in a special way. We too pray this morning for Mervyn Rosalie and their family, their children, their extended families, Lord. I pray that you would give them comfort. May you put your hand upon them, Lord, through this time. And tomorrow as the viewing times and even Tuesday morning during the funeral. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them and draw each one of them unto thyself as well. Oh God, have thine own way. We love you, Lord, and want to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.